The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark, and um, today we're talking about something that I battle with specifically, the gut. Um, we're going to do a, a series um, in two episodes uh, focusing on the gut, your sex hormones, and gut health. And in studio, we have the newest addition to the Tea Clinic, our own gut health coach, um, Stacey Holland. Stacey, welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Tea Clinic. It's awesome to have you here. Oh, it just feels like the most natural progression to work with you. You know, when we met, we hit it off. And my interest and fascination with the gut was, you know, something that you resonated with. Um, and Mark, I remember thinking that you're like a unicorn. Um, I know that integrative health in South Africa is growing. Um, but we still don't really understand what that is, but you've got a great insight into how we need to be treating patients holistically. So it's, it's my absolute pleasure. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for flattering. Morning, Sims. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Okay. So gut mm. and gut health. So Stacey, first, when we, when we think about the gut, I want to, I want to give people a, a, a couple of shocking statistics. Yeah. First one is, when we think of the gut, we know that there's microorganisms living in the gut. And the microorganisms, um, this is what we call the microbiome, mm-hmm. is I'm correct? Well, in, what's even more correct is the microbiota. The microbiome is actually the collection of their genomes, which ah. takes it into an even more fascinating okay. conversation. So it's very interesting because we're going to circle back to that mm. one because the, the genomes affects our own genes Genome, and how yeah, they affect yeah. uh, and how they work. So, when we think of bacteria, viruses, fungus, yeast, we think infection. Mm. We think bad things. Mm. We think get rid of it. Yeah. So we have, listen carefully, more microbes living in your gut than you have cells in your body. 40 trillion microbes. <laughs> so, and 30 trillion human cells. So you are more microbe, you're more bacteria than you are human. Some people just. <laughs> I'm amazed. I know. You know why I love it? Because I was born in Zimbabwe and I grew up in South Africa, right? And we know, even if you take this out of the medical space, how foreign is actually brilliant. We need these alien microbes to perform so much with To this actually, home. never mind to perform, to survive. To survive. Yes, you're right. Um, now listen carefully. So mm. bad is not that bad. Exactly. Okay. Uh, what we thought was bad is not necessarily bad. Okay. The weight, the combined <laughs> weight of the microbes in your gut It's about one and a half to two kilograms. It's the same weight as your brain. Mm. Dum, 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 dum. So (laughs) most of these are in a a pocket-like structure in our our colon called fececum. And that's where they they live. Now, we have more than a thousand species of bacteria alone. Because it's easiest 
to study bacteria. So they the most studied. Mm. But with that, uh, Stace, and mm. jump in here. Yeah. We have yeasts. Yeah. We have, and you know, the first thing that I think, if I think yeast is beer, the second one that I think of is a candida, candida infection. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But we need some of these yeasts. You know what's fascinating about why we need them? So we live in an ever-toxic environment, an ever-increasing toxicity. And these yeasts, these parasites, actually go throughout our system, absorbing, digesting, and eating these toxins, heavy metal. So that's what they're doing. They're performing a legit role. And as we get rid of them, we find that that toxicity starts infecting and and affecting the system a little bit more. We also have virus-like um, um, um what would I call it, bodies within the system. We we have a number of yeasts, but there are places in the body that should be sterile and there are places in the body that should be occupied by a variety, this ecosystem of microbes. That's what dysbiosis really is. It's when the system becomes out of balance, but what is balance? Because okay. your microbial profile is as unique as your fingerprint. Yeah. So it's something that we're going to go back to just now. Yeah. Um, we, you mentioned that uh, genome. Yes. Of the microbiota. Okay. So when we think of a microbiota, let's make it easy. Let's think of a genetic material of the microbes in your stomach. Yes. Okay. Is collectively responsible and covers various gene functions Mm -hmm. in our body. Mm -hmm. So actually, the bacteria and organisms in our gut acts like an extra organ. It's an organ with which we cannot survive. And it's it's an organ that is constantly, constantly in flux, given your internal environment and given your external environment. So even if a person travels from Johannesburg to Cape Town, that starts to influence their microbiota because the microbes that exist within Cape Town, the sea air, are very different to what be, would be in Johannesburg, very different to what would be in Pumalanga, for example, or even Paris and Rome. Okay. And that's why when you travel, I actually recommend people increase their probiotic use and also try and find a source of probiotics when they're traveling because you have these transient bacteria as well. They come in and out of the system. They don't cause too much havoc, but they inform us. They inform the body of the environment, external environment that we place ourselves in. So you mentioned a couple of minutes earlier um, dysbiosis. Mm -hmm. And I I want us to just stop here and let's just explain to people what dysbiosis means actually mean mm. i think if we break down the word dis means that there's a, a non-function or mm-hmm. something is wrong mm-hmm. and biosis is uh, a relationship between different organisms. Organi- yeah, yeah, organisms um, so, yeah. you know, you have a symbiotic mm-hmm. relationship, which means that things uh, are beneficial to each other. Mm-hmm. You have a parasitic relationship where one feeds off the other and a dysbiotic relationship where the one negatively impacts yes. the other. Am I correct in correct. saying that? Yes. So let's talk about dysbiosis. Firstly, um, what are the diseases that are caused 
by a dysbiotic gut. Well, if you think about it from a pathogenic perspective, things like psoriasis, dermatitis, eczema, that would then present in the skin. Um, conditions like low mood, depression, anxiety would cause issues as well. Um, autoimmune conditions, definitely. But stop, Stace, let's stop there. Yeah. Because autoimmune conditions, people don't understand what autoimmune no. conditions are. No. And there's such a variety of them from, from thyroid problems to, to inflammatory problems in the gut. Yeah. Um, lupus. Yeah. Um, any other that you can But again, think of. these skin conditions that I'm mentioning have an autoimmune link or even an autoimmune foundation. Lyme's disease is believed to have some autoimmunity um, factor to it as well. So for those of you that don't know what Lyme's disease is, it is something that occurs after a parasitic infection, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, most commonly tick bites, yep. so tick bite fever. Um, I think that they uh, said that George W. Bush uh, had Lyme's really? disease just because he's an idiot. So <laughs> that's my personal yeah. opinion. But no, actually, he had Lyme's disease. Yeah. And it's something that we see a lot in sub-Saharan Africa. Yes. Who of you haven't been bitten by some kind of Tick. Although in the States, I mean, there's an explosion of Lyme's disease in Europe, in countries like Hungary. Because people are suddenly starting to realize, you know what, our diagnostic skills are getting better. Simps, have you ever been bitten by a tick? No. I've tried, you know, to avoid any sort of bite from a tick. I don't know why. It is something that freaks me out and scares me. I know friends that go to the bush regularly that say, oh, well, you know, it's say, normal. This conversation sounds a bit too casual. Like, oh, this is an yeah, everyday a tick bite thing. Are we talking like, about no. these aliens that live within no, our body? Honey, <laughs> but, no, that's but, not my MO. No. <laughs> you, you also need to know that um, you, you get these rickettsial diseases not only from your arthropods like ticks but you can also get it from certain mosquito bites you mm. can get it from malaria you mm. can get it from Bellasia. Bellasia, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so don't swim is, in lakes and rivers but also don't travel to australia so got you. <laughs> don't don't got you. so Just, here's the thing about don't swim in lakes we don't swim in lakes we become more sterile it's affected our microbiota we because we no longer participate within nature the way we did. So I would say as a caveat to that, if you are struggling with dysbiosis, don't swim in lakes. The stronger your microbiota becomes, the stronger that ecosystem becomes, we actually populate it and assist with the regulation of it by interacting in nature. That's why what's happening in our world now is quite fascinating. All the hand sterilization everywhere you go, Mm, mm. air sterilization. At what point is this going to negatively and severely impact our microbiota and then start impacting systemic health? So, you know what? I want to stay with the microbiota and the dysbiosis that we have there. So some of the other conditions that we often see is inflammatory conditions and here i'm i'm talking about inflammation generally and you know what a lot of our autoimmune diseases stacy like you you touched on has an inflammatory origin to it yes um 
but then we talk specifically about the inflammatory bowel oh. conditions. Now, here, you, it's something that you hear very often. I have IBS. Yeah. Irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. And then there's the other one, which we don't often hear about, and that's irritable bowel disease. Mm-hmm. Now, Stace, what is the difference between irritable bowel syndrome and irritable bowel disease? Because I think when I was studying, IBS was a a, a diagnosis of exclusion. You go and exclude everything else, and if you don't know what's wrong, you tell the patient, oh, you've got IBS. But what is it that these people present with, and um, how do they differ? So IBS is a syndrome. It's a number of presentations within the gastrointestinal tract that have an inflammatory underlying condition. So the so wall itself... Be- is inflamed, yeah. which leads to systemic inflammation. For example, it can lead to um, conditions like ulcerative colitis. It can lead to diverticulosis. It can lead to um, Crohn's, disease, Crohn's disease, which as is well. a horrible one. Where it starts progressing into IBD is where there is a physical destruction to the wall of ah, that okay. digestive system that then leads to sores or leads to further inflammation and leads to obstruction. So now it is a, a disease. disease. So the syndrome are the symptoms like bloating, pain, etc., etc., constipation. Why, yes, why it was one of those conditions where if someone came in and said, I'm feeling lethargic, um, I either move between diarrhea and constipation, I have joint ache, I may have skin conditions, it was this irritable bowel syndrome because those 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 presentations would overlap. No two people would have the exact same conditions and yeah, symptoms. Yeah. But when it starts to interfere with the physical structure, the physical organs, mm. that's when we've progressed into IBD. And it's because we haven't reduced inflammation from IBS. Okay. So now there's several factors, and there's two that I want to touch on, that affect dysbiosis. Yeah. Um, one of them, and this is quite interesting, is gender the hmm. fascinating <laughs> fascinating so, so um the organism that lives in a male gut hmm. and a female gut completely different hmm. and in different ratios hmm. so men um back Bacterial cells or microbe, microbes, let's mm-hmm. put it this way. Microbes is the easier word to use. Microbes um, has a ratio of sometimes one to three to human cells. Mm. Where women is two to two. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. I didn't know that. Interesting. And in our next segment, we'll be talking about hormones in the gut specifically. Yeah. Your sex hormones. Now, the sex hormones also play an incredible big role in the makeup of your gut. But we'll touch on that one just now. I want to give a... a, uh, Could I touch on something while you you think of how you want to phrase that? If we can all think of our digestive system being an open pipe... 
from mouth to anus. Right? Which it is. It's Which that's, is. And that's what we evolved from. Yeah. We evolved as a gut. Yes, exactly. So think about what that means in terms of immunity, right? It means that the only defense mechanism we have is what lines this open pipe from the mouth all the way to the anus. Okay. So in your intestinal walls, you have these um, protrusions called villi, and then you have the microvilli, and there are digestive enzymes on those microvilli. They break down our food. And within this ecosystem of the digestive pipe, we have these trillions and millions of microbes, right? So when they're in balance, they are beneficial microbes. They are technically your good guys. And I say that with air quotes. And then they are opportunistic. So they have the potential to be beneficial and they also have the potential to be pathogenic. And then we have some pathogenic microbes living within the digestive tract. They are kept in check by your beneficial microbes. And when they grow out of order, out of size, out of number, that's when they start to wreak havoc on the system. That's what we term dysbiosis. What's fascinating about that is how do I know without doing some stool samples, without doing further diagnostic testing, what your profile of pathogenic microbes are. So if we start feeding indiscriminately, we don't know what we're feeding. So I want to interject here because I want to emphasize the point that you're making at the moment. Through our life cycle, Mm. the microbiome of the gut changes. Yes. Um, But you know what? Through our menstrual cycle, Mm. it changes even more. More, I'm sure. So we are first exposed to um, microbes, they say, as we go through the birth canal. Now, some studies actually are saying that we are exposed to some microbes um, in utero, utero in yes. the womb. Yes. So we need microbes to digest breast milk. Yes. So, um, and from there, things start diversifying a little bit. Mm. And we also get we go, we get inoculated through that birth canal, and we also that first placing on mom's chest or even dad's chest is also another form of inoculation after birth as well, immediately after birth. So the other thing that um, your uh, diversity of your micro microbiota. Um, Effects is how we absorb and digest fiber. Mm, yes. Now we take fiber and we break it down into short chain fatty, fatty acids. acids. And these short uh, um, chain fatty acids is incredibly important mm. for the brain. Yes. And how the gut communicates with the brain through neurotransmitters. So if we touch quickly on fiber and the importance of fiber, Stacey, help me if I'm wrong. Okay. If we can't digest fiber, we have a problem for specific reasons. Fiber prevents or helps with controlling weight gain. Mm -hmm. It protects us. Fiber protects us against diabetes. Mm -hmm. Fiber protects us against heart disease. And one of the most biggest ones is fiber lowers the risk 
of cancer. Mm. Um, the communication of the microbiome on your immune cells, mm. it directly communicates mm. with your immune system and therefore regulates the way in which we respond to infection. Mm. That if your gut is unhealthy, yeah. your immune response is unhealthy. unhealthy. And again, because it's this one Cell layer thick protective mechanism that we have between the digestive system and the immune system, our bloodstream. Touching on fiber, fiber fascinates me because some clients will do really well on high fiber diets and some clients cannot handle fiber. So one particular friend that I ended up coaching has been diagnosed with Crohn's disease um, and was convinced that she needed to consume a large amount of fiber. Many of the gastroenterologists that she had seen had told her that. Sure. Yet, she walked around with a bloated belly. She struggled with training. And I'm talking about eating things that people say are healthy for us. Uh, cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage. Mm. You know, she needed that fiber. But we have different types of fiber. We have soluble fiber and we have insoluble fiber. The point about fiber is that without these microbes, we cannot digest Fiber. The correct microbes. Yes. And this is something that, yes. that's very important. It's about the correct, correct microbes. So now you can see, if we understand in the context of dysbiosis, what are the correct microbes? If someone is sitting with the incorrect balance and ecosystem of microbes and we feed fiber, we tend to feed pathogenic fiber. So we see an increase in symptoms. We see an increase in flare-ups. And so then we have to actually draw back and start introducing fiber, which is when you start touching on what has been known as a specific carbohydrate type of diets. That's why people with ulcerative colitis, diverticulosis, IBS, end up doing really well on various forms forms of keto type diets. I I'm I'm one of them. So yeah. I have diverticulitis and mine at the moment uh, is still just um in inflammatory diverticulitis. Okay. So I'm not ulcerative and uh, you know what I'm not infective which yes. is great because but but ask someone that have infective um, diverticulitis. diverticulitis or yeah. with an ulcerative diverticulitis yeah. in constant agony yeah. and for me the moment I eat too much fiber mm-hmm. I literally within minutes look six months pregnant, pregnant. now I'm tired I'm, I'm small uh, you know what? If you look at me from behind mm. you would say okay no you know what he's he's well proportioned mm. until I turn to the side and then I look like a little poison dwarf. So um, I, I know that. The other thing for me is any kind of sugar. Mm. I'm a chocoholic. Mm. Um, I also battle with digesting dairy. My, yeah. my, if you really want to torture me, yeah. put a glass of milk and a plate of cheese in front of me and tell me that I can't eat it. Yeah. Oh, so. you didn't include ice cream. <laughs> The only way that I eat, I eat ice cream, if it's vanilla and it's in the form of ice cream soup. <laughs> so, okay, Stace, um, we, we need to Are wrap this up? show up. I want to leave us with one thing because mm-hmm. I think people um, blame genetics mm. for this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an interesting little statistic. Um, 
when we take the microbiota, if we take the uh, organisms out of the gut of identical twins, the one being obese, the other one being of normal weight, and we do a fecal transplant or a microbiota transplant into a sterile gut, the person or the organism, organism that, yep. that's been transplanted with the obese microbiota has weight gain on the same diet as one that did not have a transplant or one that was transplanted with the lean microbiota. So when you tell us mm. that, oh, my whole family is fat. Therefore. It's because mm. you are not eating well. It's mm. got nothing to do with genetics. Mm. Now there is, and this is where we wrap up, there is something is that's very component. easy that we can do. Mm. And at some point we need to talk about this. And this is pro and prebiotics. Mm. So probiotics, you see them on every shelf in your health store mm. and clicks and discim in pick and pay. Just quickly touch on so, probiotics. So probiotics are these beneficial microbes. We've, we really have just barely scraped the surface on microbes because of these trillions and trillions of microbes that we know are in existence. Um, but we haven't had the opportunity to fully study them. What we have been able to isolate is there are various beneficial microbes and probiotics are filled with these, a number of strains in various amounts as well, or colony forming units. That's why you'll see CFU on your probiotic. Prebiotics are the food for the probiotics. Ah, so it's what they need what to survive. They, yes, what they need. So if you're giving someone a probiotic and then their diet is poor and they cannot survive, um, ideally you would have prebiotics in the probiotics. But again, my challenge with the, pro, the prebiotics is unless we know the profile, the current profile, we could be doing more damage than good. That's why with probiotics, it's always important to go slowly. Okay, so uh, we're going to wrap up this okay. section of the series on gut health and hormones. And in our next section, we're coming back with the effect of hormones, your sex hormones, especially testosterone mm. and estrogen mm. on gut health. Listen to us. Uh, the next show will be shortly. This has been the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Haven-Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. For more information, contact admin at theteaclinic.com.